Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi there and welcome to So I Got to Thinking, the weekly podcast where we take the iconic questions of Carrie Bradshaw from Sex and the City and ask if they're still applicable to modern life and love. As ever, you are joined by Hearst's Juno Dawson and Dylan B. Jones, and this week we are very lucky to be joined by activist, author and artist Essie Dennis. Thank you, I'm excited to be here. Are, are you a big old Sex and the City fan, Essie? I basically was years and years ago um, when I was like kind of a teenager, like older teenager, I used to watch it and it was like learning about sex. Um, (laughs) That was kind of my angle of it. And my mum was an absolutely massive fan of it. So it was like two of our interests would go together because like they're so fashionable and oh, it's so glamorous and we both want to live in New York City. But it's actually been quite a long time since I've done a big rewatch. Even through lockdown, I just didn't do a big rewatch. So this was quite interesting going back Mm -hmm. and doing some rewatching. We like to ask all our guests, if you were forced at gunpoint to be a Carrie or be a Samantha, which one, which one would you be of the four girls? Oh no! <laughs> um, which would I be? <laughs> you I can be I... you can be like combinations of two as well. Like a lot of guests have said, "Oh, I'm a bit of this and a bit of another." I think I'd probably end up being a Miranda. I'm quite a kind of you know independent, bit of a workhorse sort of a type of character. Also, like, I'm obviously I'm actually queer and the actress is queer, so there we go. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> In the current economy, I mean, can you imagine admitting to being any of the other three? I, I mean, know. <laughs> you'd have to, you, I mean, you'd have to have a bit of Miranda in there. And I, I think um, I, I'm always... I mean, an unfortunate carry affliction, but there's definitely some Miranda, especially the, the older and more responsible I get as well. Definitely more and more Miranda creeping in. Yeah. Dil- Dylan is a Samantha. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, is- not so much at the moment. But <laughs> no, it's really hard to be a Samantha in 2020. Yeah. Responsible Samantha. <laughs> yeah. Ju- I mean, yeah. Justice for, <laughs> justice for Samanthas. We have got a really good episode to talk about this. This week, and I suspect this might be one of those episodes that gets you talking at home as well. It's season three, episode four, Boy Girl, Boy Girl. Oh, yes, it's that episode. <laughs> now, this one, I think, especially now, has become slightly notorious as being one of those which maybe doesn't hold up as well. Um, But Dylan, as ever, do you want to give us your potted synopsis? Yeah, so um, the main the main arc of the episode is Carrie is dating a young guy called Sean, who I don't think ever actually says that he is bisexual, but he does say that he's dated men and women in the past. Uh, which I thought was like a little interesting thing. Like, does he identify as bisexual? But we can get into that. Uh, Charlotte um, is having a sort of fling with an artist who's doing an exhibition at her gallery. uh, And that's a drag king exhibition. And she makes a foray into that. Samantha, um, (laughs) in kind of a like really inconsequential storyline, Samantha just has like a young, hot assistant um, for no reason, and um, and Miranda and Steve are navigating like uh, being their relationship getting more intense, I guess, and him being at her flat more basically. So uh-uh. let's start off 
with the big one yeah. because this is going to be so thorny. So Carrie is dating Tag from Friends. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. And That's yeah, who it I is. That. <laughs> That's who he is. Um, still working. He went on to be in one of the big, like, CSI or NCIS franchises. So he got plenty of work. He is, just, he is just beautiful, isn't he? Oh, he's so gorgeous. Stunning. Rachel, yeah. Rachel, I really believe. Okay, actually, this is way more fun than probably this episode of Sex <laughs> in the City. My alternate universe headcanon of Friends is that in the end, Joey ended up with Tag. I love that. Yeah. It just makes a lot more I sense. I am on board with that. I would definitely, <laughs> that- I would definitely sign up to that OnlyFans account. Because, like, I never bought the whole Rachel and Joey storyline And it was really desperate that they needed something to do with Joey I like to think if Friends was on television now Rachel would have started going out with Tag But then Joey would have fallen in love with him Mm. And Tag and Joey would have ended up together Mm. But that's for my (laughs) as yet undiscovered podcast (laughs) Juno's Friends or Friends of Juno Um Let's deal with that horrific scene at brunch where Sean has told Carrie that he's been in relationships with men and women. Carrie loses her shit and goes to brunch and literally every character in that scene just covers themselves in disgrace. (laughs) Discuss. I think Samantha does the best, predictably. I mean, she's the best of a bad Mm -hmm. bunch. Like, I think she still says, she, she still like gives the signal that um, bisexual people aren't worth dating because she says like, oh, don't worry about dating him. He's just a fuck, whatever. Um, so that's not great. That's her only slip up, which is still a really bad slip up. The rest, just like, I was so angry and upset at Miranda when she was like, yeah. they're just great. I mean, just all of the cliches, all of the awful things you could say about bisexual people were said around that table, weren't they? <laughs> yeah, and it's just like, they they ran through them so quickly. I almost had like whiplash. Like I was just like, oh my God, another one. Oh my God, another one. Oh, this is so bad. Oh my God. Yeah. Like it was so awful. I couldn't decide what was the worst. Well, you you tell us, Essie, which is worse. Kind of, yeah. um, is, is it fair to say that you are bisexual? Yes. <laughs> so um, the, these, yeah. these, these, are, these are tropes and, well, tropes, stereotypes, um, myths, slurs that presumably you've had to deal with in your actual real life. Yeah, it was almost, I mean, it wasn't, I wouldn't say maybe triggering, maybe a slightly kind of like lower version of that, but that that's slightly how it felt. And it just suddenly all clicked as to why people behaved a certain way and made these jokes towards me for such a long time where I heard those jokes before I'd come out. Because I, I didn't come out until I was 21, so I was, you know, an adult. Um you know, and I heard the, the greedy thing, like that was said all of the time. And you can tell people probably watched this episode and thought, great jokes, gonna pop them in there. Everyone's gonna think I'm hilarious. Mm. It is It is actually quite difficult to watch, like that brunch scene mm. particularly. And then just Carrie in general, you know, asking Tag, I'm just gonna call him Tag. I think he has a name, but it's not Tag. <laughs> I, um, I was, I was just call him Tag. Yeah. I was about to call him Tag as well. <laughs> He can be tag. tag. He can be tag. Um, like she just keeps being like, "Oh, would you be interested in that one? Or would you be interested in that?" And he's he's just like, he is a really nice guy. Like he is like really relaxed. Like he's a, almost yeah. saint like in how he deals with her. Like I would have told her to f off way before that. Yeah. Mm. I mean, he is, I like to, in fact, actually, if we're playing Juno's Friends again, there is nothing to stop Sex and the City and Friends existing in the same universe. That isn't so maybe Tag, after he dated Rachel, maybe after he dated Carrie, he started dating Rachel. We don't, we don't know. The thing that made me the most uncomfortable about that scene and about the whole episode is I was like, fuck, like people were actually watching this and like paying attention to it. And it might have directly contributed to like the way that people behave towards bisexual people when they saw them. Cause they'd seen it on like a liberal show like sex in the city and were like, Oh, well it's acceptable to say this now. And that's a really good example of like how TV stuff and media stuff can really do some damage. And that's the most uncomfortable thing about that, about this episode, I think. Mm, yeah, I agree. for sure. It reinforces every single stereotype going from you know there's the horrific line about um i always thought bisexuality was a stopover on the way to gay town cheap insert cheap joke about ricky martin as well that bisexual people are hedging their bets or are greedy or are promiscuous and it is it's you know i think sometimes and i think dylan and i would both admit this that in our remit 
for this podcast, we are incredibly overcritical of Sex and the City. In this case, I don't think we're being the fun police. Mm. I think we are genuinely seeing biphobia on television and only 20 years ago as well. You know, so I, I hope that in the 20 years that have followed this episode going out, that this, this kind of wild prejudice wouldn't go out in drama now. But it's so played for laughs. And, you know, this is a show which does gay and lesbian characters. And the gay and lesbian characters were not treated in the same mm. way that Sean was treated. Yeah, and arguably, you know, Samantha is, well, bi, or, or at least kind of she she had a relationship with a woman um, mm-hmm. later on in the series. So it is one of those things where they, they could have done it in a better way than they did, but they kind of chose to go in a route that was kind of just, I don't know, really awful and biphobic they could have done something really good with it yeah because you know the actual character tag's character is actually a really kind of nice character and a likable character and they could have gone in a really good direction with it and samantha could have like come out as bi or something but they just didn't they didn't do that and it's kind of like wasted potential to do something good in a way yeah and i kept i kept seeing that as well like i kept um i hated i hated carrie for most of it but there was a brief flash when i loved her when they were chatting and he said like oh i just dated a guy um, and then I dated a woman. That's just me. And then um, the voice, her voiceover said, um, two hours later, we were in bed together. That's just me. And then, like, I, I kind of knew what happened later in the episode. So I was like, oh shit. But if you hadn't, if you had never seen the episode at that point, you'd be like, oh, good for you, Carrie. Because like she, she just was like, right, I'm going to go home and sleep with you. I don't care what other people think. But then, of course. Um, she ended up being really judgmental again. So it had like a brief precipice of like it could have been good. There was a brief Yeah, hint. exactly, yeah. There is a parallel version of this episode where Carrie Bradshaw, who is a sex columnist, <laughs> for God's sake, ha- was, you know, the, the, the notion that making out with Alanis Morissette is enough to fucking throw her. <laughs> you know, once again, we find ourselves in the most PG-13 sex column New York has ever produced yeah. <laughs> and ever will produce. This episode could have been salvaged if... Carrie had been completely nonplussed by Sean being bisexual and maybe had Charlotte and Miranda being a bit like, what, you're going to date a bi guy? And Carrie being like, yes, because I am one of the two genders he's attracted to or whatever, you know, kind of, there could have been something or even had Samantha been more disappointed with her friends being so close-minded but none of those things happen and in fact actually the whole thing is kind of played for laughs yeah yeah I mean and also the the party at the end was gross as well like it was like a Tory's idea of what a queer of like what a queer party is like everyone dating each other and like Alanis Morissette with like a blue bit in her hair and like people smoking it was just like Oh, to be fair, Dylan, I live in Brighton, so that is my reality. (laughs) And I I would rather you didn't criticise my reality. (laughs) That is Brighton. Um, But yeah, do you know what I mean? It was just such a caricature of, like, of it. And it was just, I think, think, like, the creators of Sex and the City, for me, like, really showed their age with that one. (laughs) Well, well, you say that, Dylan, but this episode was entirely written by Jenny Bix. Oh, shit. Who, at the time, was, she was only 36 years old. She's... She is, as far as we know, a cis straight woman um, who, you know, was part of that raft of young female writers who was kind of brought on to make this show authentic. Because had this show been Michael Patrick King or Darren Starr, I would have at least understood perhaps the sneering regard for bisexuality or queerness. I wonder if we, I wonder if we need to have a word with Jenny Bix because she wrote another one that was offensive, didn't she? I can't remember which one now. I think it was one in series series two, but I remember. Br- let's get on rem- it. Let's let's have a look. <laughs> I remember bringing her up before, and it was in another problematic context. <laughs> hmm. She wrote for Friends, but as no, well. it's, she did. I mean, and Jenny Bix is huge. She went. She wrote Greatest Showman of all things. So, um, which also is offensive. Which also, just, yeah, I hate being like, so dull. <laughs> Interesting. I'm gonna get, we're going to get so cancelled now. Interesting, um, Jenny Bix. Give us a DM. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I'm kind of disappointed with with Cynthia Nixon the most. I think for me, when I was watching it, because as a person who obviously she's a completely different person than she was, you know, 20 years ago, which is understandable. Everyone is, but you know, she's outwardly, you know, queer. 
Um, I believe she identified as bi for a time, but now identifies as queer, but I, like, I'm not 100% sure. Um, she has a trans child, I believe. Um, and so, you know, queer issues are something that she knows a lot about and cares a lot about. And the fact that she, I couldn't find anything where she'd come out and maybe even said, like, no, this episode wasn't okay and this is why. And I was kind of sad that I couldn't find that, honestly. Mm. I'd hoped for a bit more from her now, later on. Mm. Because hmm. this is one of this is one of those where if we were going to court, and you know it was the people versus Sex and the City, and the charge brought was Sex and the City is offensive to minorities, we would present this as evidence. Yeah. You know, this episode, we would play this for the jury, and any jury on earth would find them guilty as charged. Again, Dylan and I have been really fucking picky. This time we're not. I I would love, I mean, please, listeners, if you think this episode isn't biphobic, I'm all ears. (laughs) I also love, I also love, like, it's such a weird episode, though, because it has extremes of both. So, like, you've also got someone, a named character, Bayard, the artist, at the beginning saying, um gender is an illusion like we hear those words right at the start of the episode and then mm. it goes on to be like insanely biphobic then um charlotte one of the things she says in that awful dinner part in that awful conversation around the table is she says i'm very into labels but then later on in the episode she literally has sex in drag so like what <laughs> like what is going on <laughs> i mean perhaps perhaps charlotte does go on a little journey yeah. um um I think part of the issue with this episode is that it is very reliant on binaries, actually. And you've got all four stories make very definite assumptions about gender roles, um, which kind of shackle it before we even start. So Sean likes men and women. Yeah. And um, Steve and Miranda behave like men and women and Samantha and her assistant behave like men and Charlotte has to subvert what it is to be a woman in order to make out with the artist. So maybe if we'd all listened to bed, we would have been in a slightly better place because actually he he seems to know what the tea is. He seems to understand that gender is an illusion sometimes. Yeah. A very beautiful illusion. I just, I don't really know what the episode was trying to do. Like when I was watching it, I did feel like, because you're kind of right, there's parts where they try to subvert things, but then ultimately fail at doing that. And then it's so, so, so biphobic. And then Carrie kind of like running away from Tag, Sean, Sean Tag, yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> running away from him. Like it's just, it, it's such a weird episode for that. Like what point are they making? Because the, essentially all the women seem to come off as kind of not very nice people by the end of it. <laughs> That's kind of what it seems like to me. So I don't know what what, what point the episode's trying to make. So okay, let me let me try and be generous because now here's I'm going to do a terrible confession. Now, when I saw this episode for the first time, I would have been 19 years old, and I thought this episode was great. Bear with, I know, please bear with, because it was encouraging to see any. LGBT people on TV at all. It felt like this was the first episode that, although it had Stanford for two seasons, it felt like this was the first kind of episode that really discussed sex and sexuality. And also, you know, I loved seeing Carrie kiss Alanis Morissette. And so, weirdly, for a long time, I had very kind of warm and rosy feelings about this because what I took away from it as a 19 year old was that. Carrie experiments with her sexuality and decides it's not for her. I mean, I guess um, I guess we're also like, and this is such an interesting indicator of how much things have changed, isn't it? Like, I guess we're mm. also talking about a time when two women kissing on TV was like, the critics were like all groundbreaking. Like, mm. and I'm sure like SJP and Alanis Morissette kissing was like played over and over in like eye dance and adverts like this week on Sex in the City. You can imagine it, can't you? So oh, it was it was it was, it was front page news when because obviously that was a time where there was a big gap between American transmission and British transmission. Yeah. And when that episode went out in America, it was it was headline news like like Carrie kisses Alanis, mm. and you know the casting of Alanis was no accident mm. and. It was a it was a headline grabber, but unfortunately now, I mean, it's been a while since I watched this episode, and I'm almost cross with myself for not kind of cross interrogating it a little bit more and and realizing 
how damaging those myths are. Let's take a little tiny break now. <laughs> on that happy, on that happy note. <laughs> on that happy note. Well, I mean, I, I've got more to say about it as well, actually, because, because I'm so actually cross that um, when we get back, we're not finished with Carrie. So, so sit tight and we'll be back in two minutes. <laughs> Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Welcome back. Just so I got to thinking, you join us in the middle of what is quite quite a sad episode, really, <laughs> in that for the first time, maybe in three seasons, we might have found a plot line which is just inexcusable. And this is Carrie. Charlotte and Miranda in particular with their flagrant biphobia in their treatment of whore, gorgeous, and by the end of the episode, single. Um, Sean, I would... I would date Sean in a New York minute, mm. frankly. So if Carrie's not interested, I'm all over her. But let's, let's, so I want to, there might be people, and I think this is where I do feel a responsibility with this podcast, which is there might well be fans of Sex and the City who don't recognise that what Carrie, Miranda and Charlotte were saying was wrong. So I would like to take the next couple of minutes on this podcast to explain why those myths about bisexual people are so harmful. I mean, I'll start with my personal experience, which was I first dated a bi guy who was openly bi and told people he was bi just before I started my transition. And I got really excited when I met this guy. I'm not going to say his name. Um, I got really excited because I thought, well, my God, you know, I knew I was about to transition and I had this very rosy notion that potentially we could stay together through my through my transition and that he would love me both pre-transition and post-transition. It didn't work out like that. Sucks to be him. But um, <laughs> it was the first time I kind of had my carry moment, I suppose. I had to sit down and really kind of think about the reality, the lived experiences of bisexual people because believe me, I have prayed to be pansexual many times, but unfortunately I am afflicted to desire for men. Right I like, that you, but, I like um, that you looked around briefly to see if Max was there. <laughs> <laughs> It's an affliction. What struck me with, I'm going to give him a fake name because it's going to be really hard to talk about him. Let's call him Bob. What struck me about Bob was that he wasn't gaining anything from being openly bisexual. And so any notion that I had of this notion of some sort of like privilege for bisexual people was dispelled almost immediately because 
what I realized is that no bisexual person is hedging their bets or trying to kind of play both sides because actually Bob was, you know, he was still experiencing homophobia. You know, there were still people who thought of him as less than a man because he was dating both guys and girls. But then at the same time, he had gay people saying to him, oh, yeah, but you're gay, really. So he was literally experiencing the worst of both worlds in that Bob didn't get the community that LGBT people are supposed to be able to opt into. And nor was he getting straight privilege. So that was the first time I really saw biphobia in action. And I realized if this guy wasn't truly who he says he is, there would be no point. There is no privilege to anyone saying they're bisexual. And I I would hope that really goes without saying. Yeah, I mean, it's funny you talking about sort of privilege and then also having kind of straight people and queer people kind of, I don't know, push you out a little bit. It actually often makes me a bit emotional when I actually get asked to do things with queer people because there's so many people who really don't want me to be involved in a lot of things. And I've I've often had kind of other queer people tell me, oh, I'm, I'm straight, really or I'm gay really, or I'm this. And then I start to get into my own head about it. And I've had years of trying to figure out who I am and, and what I am and how I identify and things like that. And I've kind of settled on by and, and, and a lot of that is because I've had some really amazing queer people tell me you're allowed to be whoever you want to be. Like my partner who is who is trans and who's non-binary. We both have similar experiences sometimes with not feeling like we fit into a binary and therefore people see us as some kind of threat because they can't quite figure us out almost. That's sometimes how it feels. And I think with this episode particularly, it's just so difficult to feel like your identity is being made up by people who aren't you. You know, it's just that they're all saying like, oh, it's double dipping. Oh, you always end up with men or women in the end, or you always do this. And it's like, but you're not listening to what bi people have to say about it. And I think it was it was hard for me growing up, because like I said, I I came out when I was 21. And I am I'm not a super sexual person. And I was always told that to be bisexual was basically to be polyamorous and which is obviously fine and a lot of bisexuals are but a lot also aren't and I was told yes you're polyamorous and you sleep with anyone and you're greedy and that's what it is to be bisexual and that doesn't fit me so it took me a really long time to realize you can be bisexual and monogamous and not actually be super into sex that's absolutely fine and that's something that was really damaging to me took me a really long time to come to terms with my own sexuality and that's why it was so disappointing, the scene where Carrie and Sean go to the club mm. and and she's looking around convinced he wants to have sex with the whole room. Mm. You know, that's damaging as well. This, And that's something as three queer people that we're all very aware of the hypersexualization of all queer people. Mm. You know, next week or in a couple of weeks, we're going to be doing Are We Sluts? Yeah. And, you know, that's something, you know, that we, we've made sure that we've, we've roped in a cisgender heterosexual person because, frankly, as queer people, automatically, yes, <laughs> we are sluts. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, so that, that's why we needed, we needed a cishet <clears throat> person to have that conversation. I mean, how depressing is that? Something that, um, but, um, sorry, Juno, just no, you go. sweep straight in there. Something that this, a positive thought that this episode made me have is I thought, thank God, like, thank God thing, oh, things are far from perfect, um, but thank God that things aren't like that anymore. Um, I've got, like, a beautiful circle of friends, queer friends here in London who span um, everything. And those questions are never asked. No one would ever dream of asking those questions. Even our parents, even people, even each other's parents wouldn't dream of asking those questions anymore. I have a couple of friends. It made me think, Essie, when you mentioned about being included in queer communities and queer conversations and stuff. In our little group of queer friends in London, there's a couple of people who are whose preferences are heterosexual, but they are considered queer people as our by people so so the fact that we've even got to that point where like straight people can be considered queer as well that's amazing and I wouldn't have it any other way um and that was just yeah that just made me kind of think a little bit when I was being so angry at this episode it made me be grateful for that at least I still think I still think there is a very specific blind spot when it comes to bi and pansexuality Mm. and actually I, I sometimes wondered that with with the evolving conversation around fluidity or queerness or pansexuality, if actually bisexual 
people have again been slightly forgotten because it feels now, especially when I travel schools and talk to young people, that they seem to be perhaps more on board with the word pansexual than bisexual. So I worry that once again, bisexual people who who identify as bisexual and use that label are once again being slightly forgotten about. So actually, I mean, let's... Again, another podcast for another time, but actually I think some of the better representation I've seen in sitcom land is in Schitt's Creek, where, you know, David Rose is a fantastic example of a character who notably says, I like red wine, I like white wine, and I've been known to enjoy the occasional rosé. You know, and that felt like... Great line. <laughs> a, a beautifully modern way of dealing. And David never says he's gay, repeatedly refers back to ex-girlfriends and ex-boyfriends and so yeah we've moved the fuck on but it's hard because I love Sex in the City and my first instinct is to defend Sex in the City but this episode it might be indefensible I think yeah I think I might agree a little bit I did actually struggle to watch it today so um, well yesterday and then yeah today I watched it kind of over again and I did actually struggle so zero zero scrunchies out of five for this one Emily- I mean, maybe maybe we should send. There are certain episodes we should put on the Staten Island ferry, and just and they're not allowed to come back. Frankly, I, I, I do. I wonder if this and maybe we'll keep we'll keep our eyes peeled because let's not forget that later on in this series we're going to be dealing with their attitudes towards trans women as well. But um, and towards suspect, and towards race. Yes, I mean it's interesting. Yeah, for, for the first time, so we, we've arrived the third year of Sex and the City, and we start to get into some very big kind of social issues politics, gender, sexuality and race. So there might be some more episodes we have to send to Staten Island because I think watching this episode in 2020, we are now looking at something that doesn't stand up. It does not stand up to modern view. No, to the point um, where like, to the point where some of it just didn't even make sense. Yeah. It was literally like, well, I don't understand what's happening. I mean, let's, let's, <laughs> Carrie is fucked. I mean, I mean, I liked her gold boots. But she can fucking walk them should down. We, to should we take a should we take the tone a bit lighter and talk about Charlotte? Because I've got some nice things to say about let's, Charlotte. Yeah. <laughs> so let's let's imagine a world where Carrie's plotline doesn't happen, and let's see if actually we can derive any sense of humanity from the other three. So go on, Dylan, start with Charlotte. Yeah. So Charlotte, um, at the beginning, the, I quite like the scene at the Drag King exhibition. Um, again, it's for, it's really telling that they're all really shocked. Um, and like amazed at like a drag king show. I think I went to like six drag king shows last year, so that's <laughs> that's a sign of the times changing. Um, but the the portraits are really cool. Bayard the artist is really cool, and Charlotte is very clearly like titillated and excited by him. Um, and yeah, I want to know what Charlotte's drag name is. Do we think? I thought maybe <laughs> I thought maybe Park Avenue Paul, <laughs> or some something Charlie maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, she makes the least convincing man. <laughs> I've, the least convincing drag king I've seen in a while. But yeah, I mean that that plotline fine. Okay, Pat will pa- I guess pass that one. Um, I like the ongoing idea that Charlotte needs to be challenged. Because the men she thinks she likes might not be the right men for her. And of course, that's something we're about to massively get into because I believe next week, Trey rocks up. Oh, yeah. so, um, so this is an important part. Again, I wish they'd gone further. There, there was there's so much so much they could have said about gender stereotypes. And, you know, like we've touched on beard, beards, beards, um, um, theory that gender is an illusion, and that can, kind of doesn't really get talked about, or what that means for Charlotte. I would have loved. To, somebody... I would have loved to have seen Charlotte like pegging him in drag as well. Oh my god, <laughs> that would have been amazing! Like maybe again, if this show was happening now on HBO, we probably would have seen that. Actually, um, a strap-on doesn't arrive in Sex and the City until <clears throat> Samantha and Maria next yeah, year. Yeah, and that so. kind of comes across as a bit like, oh, we're doing this because you need 
dick rather than actually understanding that lesbians do use strap-ons and that's like not because they need men involved sort of a thing that's kind of the vibe i got from that i remember watching it being like yeah. <laughs> let's, yeah. let's not get on to samantha and maria now i know we've I'm only got sorry. half an hour can I, I see. i'm sorry can i come back on and like <laughs> like in the next series we'll get you yeah back you should come back you should come... <laughs> please do please do you should come back um, for that one definitely i i okay i'm also going to I quite like the Samantha... No. I quite like the Miranda and Steve stuff in this, which, again, is the more domestic, much more grounded, much more down-to-earth. And this one, it's a nice role reversal where we deal with commitment issues, which traditionally, especially in narrative, commitment issues would be considered quite male or masculine. But in this case, it's actually Miranda who's having the commitment issues when Steve says he wants to move into her apartment. And I actually, that last scene where Miranda allows herself to be vulnerable yeah, oh. and she kind of has a breakdown and says, I don't know if I can do this. I was really moved by that, actually, because I struggle I lived by myself for years and years. And when I moved in with my ex, I found myself a bit like in the Miranda position as well. Yeah, I, I like, I kind of like her kind of grounded storyline sometimes because uh, the other ones can be obviously quite funny sometimes and quite out there and garish. And we love that as well. But I always find Miranda's storylines often end up being a bit more grounded in reality. Yeah, I'm. And I think that's. I'm going to. Sorry, go on, I'm going to say it. I think Cynthia Nixon is the best actor of, of the four yeah um i was just about to say the very same yeah thing. like it's always her scenes that get you isn't it like just when she mm-hmm. dro- yeah like when she dropped the jar of sauce and she was like oh like we've all <laughs> we've all been there we've all been there and also like i felt like steve was like he wasn't inexcusably in the wrong but he was like quite kind of pushy like mm. it just kind of like letting himself I don't like if if someone did that who didn't live with me I'd be like what the fuck are you doing like he just like lets himself in from keys that she gave him ages ago and he's just sat there like eating Chinese and watching football in her flat like what <laughs> yeah I would lose it I'm so on Miranda's team on this situation <laughs> yeah same there's something there's something about Cynthia Nixon's performance that really does just get you and there was something about the phrase and my sponges smell <laughs> and I was like Yes, my sponges smell as well. Max went into the bathroom the other day and said, there's a weird smell in there. And it was my gross face cloth. <laughs> I'm sorry, my gross face cloth smells. Oh, it was, when, you know? it was when she said, like, I drop things sometimes. And it was like a little, for me, because that was like a little, and we all have our little things that we do that we're insecure about or that we don't want anyone else to see. And hers was clearly like, she's clumsy and she drops things. Um, yeah, I found that really touching, actually. I, yeah, I mean, I was... I'm not going to forgive her for the Ricky Martin joke, (laughs) but um, this storyline in isolation did move me. And I think what's important about the Steve and Miranda stuff, like Essie said, was it feels like it's in the real world (laughs) because Sex and the City, let's face it, as the seasons moved on, it left the real world so, so far behind. And you had Carrie running around town. Running around Paris. Going to premieres and stuff. Running around Paris. like, And yeah, so I mean... Miranda, she keeps it. It actually right through to the end. Her storylines always seem a bit more real. Mm. I'm not sure it's particularly. <laughs> I don't know if there's anything worth saying about about um, Samantha's plotline. Um, in that, I suppose this is a cautionary tale about what happens when you have two alphas in an office space. Yeah, I mean, I kind of was so like shocked and distracted by the rest of it that I like <laughs> I didn't really I didn't really pay much attention to Samantha, which yeah, is which is odd because usually her storylines are the most shocking. <laughs> but like this time, I yeah, was like, yeah, I agree. I just realised like I totally like didn't really notice what was happening with Samantha. I was like, is she having sex again? I said, okay, and then I'm just looking at everything else. Like it wasn't even an interesting storyline, really. Yeah, yeah. Like, but by this point in the series, you're just like, and Miranda and Samantha has yeah. sex. Yeah. Because, yes, every week. That was just written I mean, in the script. That's all that was there. Everything else was just like kind of ad lib, like <laughs> improv. And then they I had mean, maybe sex. The, <laughs> maybe the real storyline here is that this should have been a cautionary tale about what happens when you employ someone with an eye to sexually harassing them, given that Samantha hires him because he's cute and then kind of boxes herself into a corner because she can't sleep with him because he's an employee. So maybe mm. maybe she gets exactly what she, disturb, she deserves. And the gag is, I don't even think he's that cute. His face annoys me. No. He's very... He's no Sean. 
No, he's no he's no tag. <laughs> he's no tag. Um, an- um, another well- quick another quick thing I was going to say about Charlotte Drag Kings that I wrote down mm-hmm. and a rare plus point for this episode is this might have been the first time a lot of people had ever seen Drag Kings, like. You know, most people like drag queens have been like a visible thing for ages, but I think a lot of people didn't and still don't know much about drag kings. So that's a it's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I I agree. I, I still think. I mean, let's not drag RuPaul's Drag Race into this, but RuPaul will not allow drag kings to compete on RuPaul's Drag Race. Mm. I really, really, I hoped when they did Drag Race UK, in my mind, that was such an obvious. Because it's like a side gig for for Rue and Michelle and stuff. I thought that was a real opportunity to bring in drag kings and to bring in some trans performers or some cisgender women who do drag. That would have felt like a really safe space to be a bit more experimental. Um, And I see like no reason why a drag king couldn't compete on RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah, it's funny. I was Um, having this conversation literally at the breakfast table this morning because we're doing a big rewatch. So we're on like all stars at the moment. We've done everything else. Um, Mm. And the two of us and me and my partner are both really into the idea of, of like being drag kings and figuring that out but there's actually not an awful lot out there to look for like when you're looking for kind of drag queen inspiration and trying to figure out where you fit it, there's so much of it when you're looking for drag king stuff there's actually not as much as you would hope like not as much it's all ends up being drowned out by kind of drag queen stuff and then mm. especially with RuPaul we were saying like would there be any way for drag kings to go on it because we would absolutely love that And I really do hope, like, I mean, obviously, Rue's become a lot more kind of accepting of having, for instance, trans women involved. You've got like Peppermint and Gia Mm. and stuff like that, you know. So hopefully, I'm hoping there's going to be a trajectory where we can end up having drag kings because I would love that. Yeah. I mean, they're going to have to do something. The show's been going for about, what, 15 years now. So it it kind of feels like you've got to keep it fresh. Yeah, for sure. And as well, I'm, I'm intrigued, you know, when I see drag king, there's always a lot of stripping, which I always find interesting about drag king because... You wouldn't expect a drag queen to strip. Mm. Whereas a lot of times when I see drag kings, there is this element of striptease involved. Um, That's true. And which I find really interesting and I'm not quite sure if why, why that is. But I, I think Dylan's right. I think probably this episode did probably introduce... And they do, it even says that the exhibition is called Drag Kings. Mm. Presumably there must have been drag kings before this episode. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. There must have been. Yeah. There must. There was another... In, in Paris is burning, we see them There was well. another interesting line that Charlotte says. Again, like an example of, like, this episode could have been so good. Like, Charlotte... When Charlotte, like, at the end, Carrie's voiceover says, she might have been that type of guy, but she'd never be that type of woman. When she's talking about Charlotte maybe sleeping with him again. Mm. So Charlotte could do it when she was in drag, but she couldn't, felt like she couldn't do it when she wasn't in drag. And there's so much interesting stuff about in there that I've talked about with my friends who do drag, which is like they can do, it gives them a certain identity and all of that stuff. And like, I would have loved to have seen that with Charlotte, but they weren't brave enough to go into it. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I um I have oh. a so me my partner and I do this thing where we like rewatch shows and we like headcanon queer characters and I would love to kind of headcanon Charlotte as actually like maybe kind of gender fluid. I would love that to have been it. We do it with friends all the time because we've decided that uh, you know obviously Chandler would definitely be bi now. I think like <laughs> that would definitely work. Like all those like gay jokes about oh. him, no way. We were saying the same with Joey. Like go, Joey might be a gay man or potentially like a trans man. Like we we always headcanon queer characters. So I think that's what I would like for Charlotte. <laughs> it's like <weird> yeah. Charlotte. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Phoebe, I mean, we, we've, Phoebe would definitely be bi, I think. Yeah. Or gay, maybe. We, I mean, we've, we've said many times on this podcast that if Sex and the City was happening now, we believe that one of the four main characters would have been in some way queer, and we kind of assumed it would have been Miranda. Mm. Um, but that said, Emily in Paris, <laughs> not, not massively queer. So um, if, that, if that is Sex and the City for the 21st century, it's... Oh, it's but yeah, I have yet to watch we, it actually. <laughs> we have we uh we have thoughts. <laughs> I I need to watch it because I feel like I just have to know because I keep seeing these tweets and like I want to be involved with whatever's going on here because it sounds awful. <laughs> it's um yeah. <laughs> it's it's I mean it's just it's just ridiculous. Like it's not so it's not sex in the city and it doesn't want to be sex right, in the okay. city. It's it's <clears throat> for for kids. Yeah. You know, it feel it it feels like a young adult show. Yeah. You know, it feels like it should be on, like, a teen network. Um, So what was Carrie's question this week? Carrie's question is, 
is the opposite sex obsolete? So we done that. That's actually kind of a question for J.K. Rowling. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, was Carrie like coming for J.K. Rowling from <laughs> from beyond the not from beyond the grave? But uh, <laughs> I remember, but in the voiceover just before that question, she says maybe gender doesn't exist anymore. And you know what, Carrie, it doesn't. <laughs> so that Car- Car- Carrie's question doesn't in any way apply to her life, <laughs> which is if. We were being honest. Carrie's question should have been, would you go out with a bi person? Because that seems to be the question she actually answers. And worryingly, the answer to her question is, no, she wouldn't because she's biphobic. Um, So in terms of her answering the question, you know, is the opposite sex obsolete she doesn't even start what she yeah. means what, I, to, to, so what she mean? what i think what they're trying to say with it isn't it is they're trying to say like have things evolved so much that we don't need to care about gender anymore carrie's conclusion is not carrie's conclusion is no we should still care about gender but happily our conclusion now 20 years later is yes we don't need to <laughs> Yeah. Is that, is that, I, I don't know. Oh God. I've confused myself now. It's interesting. That that question, like, um, to me comes, I, I don't think maybe dog whistle is the right word, but it comes across as, a, as something that people say when they're really uncomfortable with bi people because they think that bi people are like messing up the status quo. Like, no, 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 I need, I need men and I need women, please. You can't, you can't do this to me. You can't take me out of this binary. Like it, it's like an anxiety thing to me. Like whenever people say like, oh, so does just gender not matter anymore or blah, 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 blah. Like it, it's their anxiety and they often put that on to bi people. I think, I think that happens quite a lot. Or indeed transgender or indeed people. Trans and, people. And non-binary people as well. Yeah. I think it seems like people really, I was actually talking about this with one of, with a non-binary friend the other day and we compared it, we compared Compared non-binary and bisexuality as as similar because like people seem to have managed to get their heads around gay and straight now, but when you add like a slight compl- complication, uh, quote unquote, or like a third thing, it seems like people can only get their heads around one or the other. So mm. any kind of in between what they see as a grey area scares them and is just too complicated for them. Which is yeah. and Essie, Essie's right, you know, <clears throat> fra- phrases like erasing sex, you know, have become the cry of of transphobic people, anti-trans groups, authors, <laughs> certain <laughs> authors. You know, that it's kind of, that's kind of become the Columnists. thing. And I must admit, <laughs> I I wonder if, let's say, you know, Sex and the City was to get a reboot now, I think this episode would have had a redo and Sean would have come out as a trans man. And that is what would have sent Carrie into a spiral. Would you, you know, oh my God, you know, he's so tall and handsome. Oh, I, there were no signs. <laughs> I, you know, I've been yeah. fooled. You yeah. know, he was so normal looking. Oh, God, you know, kind of, yeah. I think I think that's that's the horrible rerun that a sitcom would do now. Mm. What was interesting is a, a lot of a lot of that horrible brunch we're back to that brunch scene a lot of that horrible brunch scene i think is being played out now with cis women having brunch talking about trans people like but would you go out with a trans man like i think that's probably a conversation that is being had and and the gag is no one is making carrie day anyone she doesn't want today <laughs> you know nobody is making her fucking kiss alanis morissette and she doesn't do it to challenge her preconceived notion of gender or sexuality. The only reason she kisses Alanis when they play spin the bottle is so that she can save face. Mm. So, you know, her actions come from a very sort of self-involved place anyway. God, I'm getting angry. I'm just laughing because I just remembered how that spin the bottle scene started. Just this like person came out of nowhere with like, oh, let's all play spin the bottle. And it's like, (laughs) why is this like, why is this suddenly happening? Like you're all like 30. Why is going on? Because they're in Brighton. Brighton. (laughs) That's what happens in Brighton, yeah. Wait, that's just what queer people do. I thought that was what we were going to do now over Zoom. That's how how people become by Sexual, yeah. I've got one. I've got one here. We can... <laughs> oh That's right. Um, yeah, no. the, the B, the B in LGBT stands for. <laughs> 
And on that note, I think we, we've exhausted this episode. We're just going to get each other really angry again. Yeah. So all I can say is that this episode is trash. We will regather next week and hopefully it will be less trash. Although it's not because next week, Samantha dates a black man <laughs> and everything is about to get oh, so no, much worse. <laughs> please, oh my God, we, we've got a bit of a run because then we've got Are We Sluts as well. So please don't leave the podcast. We will try to remain positive. We do love Sex and the yeah. City, but sometimes it's like being in a slightly damaging relationship with Sex <laughs> and the City. Um Thank you so much, SE, for coming along. This has been, honestly, I think one of my favourite episodes we've ever done, oh, actually. And thank you. Thank you for bringing your sort of personal perspective as well. Yeah, as well. Thank, thank you. for being so open with us. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. It's been lovely. I've yeah. really enjoyed it. Cool. And you are welcome to come back anytime. Is Is there anything you would like to plug? All right. What am I plugging at the moment? <laughs> the thing is, there's a lot, lot going on in the works, but I am like currently writing my first book, um, Yay. Uh, which is all about kind of body positivity for kind of the queer community. Um, it's going to be really exciting. So just to kind of keep your eye out for that. I think um, writing during a pandemic is not the best, but we're getting through it. It's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> where, where, can we fi- where can we find you on social media? So everything is at Carlesi, which is K-H-A-L underscore S-E-E-S-S-I-E it was a Game of Thrones pun and then I got verified so I can't change it so that's who I am <laughs> online <laughs> I was gonna you, say you're Kalesi till the end of time literally it was just my personal account and now it's like and now she has 95,000 followers and she's verified and this is who you are for the rest of your life um, so yeah so that's oh, well. where you can find me I love it it's great yeah that's great <laughs> so please do join us next week until then please give us a review subscribe we are at s-i-g-t-t podcast on twitter and instagram i'm at juna dawson and i'm at dylan b jones ldn please let us know what you think about this conversation as well and we will see you next week bye, bye. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.